Hey there, book gang. Today's episode is dedicated to the dreaded book slump. We've all had them at one point in our reading lives, myself included. You may not know, though, that you can submit a topic idea for this show. And today's show is a listener submission who wanted the opportunity to talk about her book slump challenges. Today's featured bookstagrammer is Sasha, and her Instagram handle is pathologically.literate. She also runs a Facebook group called The Book Club. That should not be too hard to remember, should it? Now, there are several amazing book podcasts out there that have their guests come on to make book recommendations based on their listeners' taste. I just want you to know, if you are tuning in for the first time, this is not typically one of those shows. I have to say that I do now have a new appreciation for people that make content this way. I spent so many hours thinking about Sasha's reading life and trying to come up with the best stack that we could turn her slump around. I wanted so deeply for her to have a different kind of reading gear, particularly because as Sasha's going to reveal, she's gone through some major personal changes in her life that have changed her world as she knows it. Now, if you're new here, I just want to welcome you warmly to the Book Gang Podcast. My name is Amy Ellen Clark from momadvice.com. Book Gang is all about celebrating debuts, under-the-radar book choices, and helping you expand your stack with backlist selections. You are listening to episode number 36, Breaking Up with a Reading Slump. Just a reminder, The Booking is a completely independent podcast that relies upon listeners to fund. Your financial support is truly one of the most necessary ingredients for this show. And I am so incredibly thankful for the people that have chipped in $5 to make these episodes possible every month. If you're a Patreon supporter, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, if you like this podcast and you want to show your love for my show or for me, please join my bookish community. I can't do my job without you. As a thank you for your support, you'll receive the exclusive fully booked podcast filled with new release books, a monthly reading guide with what to find on your store shelves every month, monthly book club author interviews, music playlists, and more. To learn more, head to patreon.com backslash momadvice. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash momadvice. As always, everything that we will be talking about on each episode of Book Gang can be found in the link in our show notes. I do have to share with you that I have kind of an embarrassing microphone glitch on this day, and it is for purely superficial reasons. Now, imagine that someone has been following you since 2009 and you get to see them for the first time. You want your best webcam out for that performance, right? What I did not know, though, is that my audio software kicked me out with my default podcast microphone for this historic moment, and I am looking really good, but I am not sounding my best, and I hope it won't be too distracting for you, and I apologize that my vainness led us down this path. It will not happen again. 
or will it? Now, listen, if you enjoy today's show, your reviews are essential for growing this podcast. Please like and share this show with your friends so you can give this show wings. And if you would like to be featured on a future episode, send me your show idea to amy at momadvice.com or you can DM me on Instagram at momadvice. What bookish topic have you been dying to talk about? I would love nothing more than to virtually meet you and talk about that topic idea with you. Are you ready to hear Sasha's transformation story and how I hope to help her get back to her reading life again? I hope so. I am so excited to share this with you. Now, let's get chatting. It's not every day that I get to have my book twin on the podcast, but I am so excited because I am joined by Sasha today, who has been a long time, long, long, long time momadvice.com reader and also a listener of the podcast, and she is my book twin. In fact, I had to look up our two Goodreads profiles to prepare for today's episode, and we had a record of 421 books in common and our tastes overlap by like 87% similarly. So I don't think there's anybody else in my life who's been more matched and perfectly matched as far as books go than Sasha. And today we are going to be working through Sasha's reading slump, which is something that she brought as a show topic. And I'm so, so happy to have her here. Sasha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your reading life? Absolutely. Well, I'm 47, getting up there. I'm a single mom, a recent empty nester. My son's 21 now, and he's mm-hmm. out on his own. So I'm navigating that, and that's different living on my own. But I've always been a reader since I was a baby. I'm an administrator of an online book club on Facebook. What's so your book club called? It's called The Book Club. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, how hard is yeah. that to remember? Nope. Can't forget that. I also belong to the Mom Advice Book Club. Yes, I know. And you've been a long time, long time reader. I mean, do you remember when you first started reading Mom Advice? Just out of curiosity. I, I do remember. It was in 2009 or 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's when I discovered blogs. Well, you have always been a big reader. In fact, I remember you reading way more than I did in in years past. And your pace is always so fast and you are really passionate about reading. And hitting a reading slump, I would imagine for you, has been an unusual chapter in your reading life. Do you know maybe what happened and transpired that has kind of put you in the spot where you're having a hard time getting back to reading again. Definitely. You know, and I always have slumps here and there. I'm a big mood reader. So that happens. But at the beginning of this year, I had gastric bypass surgery and that threw me for a tailspin. It completely turned my life around. It changes everything. So reading, which, as I said, is my greatest passion. That's just what I do. I don't even watch TV. I just read books. It was really weird when I came home from the hospital and I couldn't read anymore. 
there's so many things that you have to focus on changing your body's changing. There's so many things that are happening. You're recovering from the surgery and the general anesthesia. And then once you've recovered from that, your body is just going through so many changes and there's just so much. Yeah. And Um, you were even talking too about, you know, there's a lot of aftercare things. Like I would love for you to talk maybe too a little bit about all the things that have to happen after, because this isn't just you have the surgery and then that's the end of it, because this is just the start of a new chapter for you, right? It is the start of a new chapter. I've, I've had to change everything. And, you know, people who think it's an easy way out are definitely wrong. You do, you change the way you eat forever. You exercise for the rest of your life. I've changed everything about my life, not just my exercise and eating habits, but everything. I've become more organized. I just decided this is a new chapter and I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to live my best life. Yeah. And, you know, just speaking to my own health challenges, I think sometimes when we think about recovery or when we think about, you know, all of the new things that you're doing right now, you have to meet with, you know, a trainer or you meet with physicians and there's aftercare that happens. Those are very time consuming tasks that interrupt kind of the flow of what maybe your reading life had looked like before. That's exactly, that's true. I think people sometimes think that when you have chronic pain that, you know, oh, well, but you can lay in bed and, you know, there, there is some ideas around right. how that all plays out, right? And you're going to be able to just lay in bed and read a lot of books. And some people can do that. But I will say that some of the hardest days of my reading are those recovery days when I'm not feeling like myself and I can't concentrate, and I really struggle to get enveloped into something because all I'm thinking about is what my current circumstance is, even though I don't want that to be the thing. I really wish that I could escape. And sometimes for me, the only way that I can find any kind of relief is doing something that's very mindless, like TV, which isn't usually my go-to, but that's kind of where I lean into with Mm -hmm. my health stuff. Right, right. I can completely relate to what you're saying. I and I can't get into TV very easily. Um, well, I don't have one, so that's probably why. <laughs> but I I tend to sleep on those days. I too have really benefited from this exploration we've been doing with reading hacks. And I know that's something that we had talked about because even for you, podcasts were a new kind of format that you were embracing that I think a lot of people don't realize how much headspace it takes to listen to something like that if you have trouble with concentration. And the Reading Hack series for me has been really helpful because it's been kind of tricking my brain into doing some things when I'm not having good pain days or having a hard health challenge day. And last week, I think we had recorded an episode with a life coach for ADHD. She said something that actually was really beneficial to me. And I don't know if this will be beneficial to you, but regarding that time where I'm feeling really fuzzy and having a hard time concentrating and struggling to connect with books, she suggested, you know, keeping your brain occupied with an audiobook, but also pairing it with a task, like a mindless task that doesn't take a lot out of you. And she had talked about coloring or knitting. And honestly, fine motor things are a little bit hard for me right now. So doing something like that 
would be really challenging. But I did discover that audiobooks and solitaire on my phone are a really <laughs> great pairing on days when I'm having a hard pain day. So I actually have gotten engaged with books in a really bad pain week this week by playing solitaire while I'm listening to a book. And it's not something I would have thought of to keep my brain engaged. That is great. I would find that very challenging just because my mind wanders so easily. I mean, I've tried audiobooks so many times in my life and I'll try it just sitting there and listening to it. I'll try it doing something else that's mindless. I'll, I can't, if I'm doing something else, I will start concentrating on something else. It definitely takes the right narrator. And I have found that usually some, some things like memoir are really good for me because if I zone in and out, I'm not really losing anything with plot. Same with like nonfiction selections, which aren't typically my go-to, but something where it's kind of like a podcast where you can zone in and out and kind of pick up towards the tail end and, and still know what's going on and you can always go back if you're really confused but it really doesn't matter if you are staying within something like that versus doing a fiction book where you have to be following a narrative arc right so you know the story i thought about that recently actually trying a nonfiction audiobook well i have a suggestion for you but um i'll leave it for the the very last one because it's one i just finished and i actually haven't fully processed what i read so maybe that'll give me some time to compose my thoughts Okay. I'm curious, Sasha, what was the last five-star book that you read? Do you know? Oh, the last five-star book I read was The Sweetness of Water by, I think it was Nathan Harris. I read that Barack Obama had listed it as one of his favorites of 2021. So I got really fangirly and moved it to the top of my list for 2022. So it was my first read of the year. It was definitely the right move because I never would have guessed that it was a debut. And it was written by a 29-year-old. Wow. And it sounds kind of kind of descending to me now that I'm saying it because 29 is 29, but it just shocked me that someone that much younger than me could write something so profound. It was just so beautiful and haunting and powerful. This one isn't has not been on my radar, so I'm actually really excited because we are so similarly matched for mm-hmm. reading. It sounds like something I'd really enjoy. And I personally really love to look at Obama's picks, too, because I feel like he always brings something new. And I also like to look at their Spotify playlists and have fangirled a few of those as well, because the song lists are always really, really good, too. Yeah, they, they got the jams. Yeah. So I know that before we were recording this, I had asked you to maybe... Talk about a few books that have been your favorites for people that might be looking for some tried and true reads. And you had three books that you really loved that you wanted to tell me about. One of those is Spinning Silver, which I'm going to tell you that you and I are not matched on this one. I did not love this one, and I know that you did. So what about this story was so good for you? The intricate storytelling is what really, really grabbed me. And... First of all, I'm going to tell you three books. That was hard, Amy. Yeah. That was a hard job. (laughs) I like you to do your homework. There's a lot of narratives to keep up with. So I understand where there was trouble for you. Yeah. I found it to be just fascinating. You know, there were a lot of storylines, but I just think it just got so intricate and so detailed. It was just so beautiful and breathtaking. 
I mean, yeah. it literally took my breath away. I was just, I remember reading it and just thinking, wow, wow. She just kept amazing me and more and more. Do you want me to tell you what it's about? Or? Yeah, tell me a little bit about it because it has Absolutely. been a long time. I did buy it. So this was one that I bought from Book of the Month. I don't really like fantasy in general. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was going to be a stretch for me if I was going to lean into that. But I have been trying to read more fantasy for book clubs. So trying to pick some books that would be normally outside of my wheelhouse. And this one was one that I had been considering. And it's a beautiful book, too. It's a really pretty book for your shelf if you're looking for something that's fantasy-driven. And Sasha did love it. And this is unusual for us to not match on something. And it's just because I'm not a big fantasy reader. And I really tried. And it was just too much for my brain. I think there was too much going on in the narrative for me. So I want to hear why you loved it. Because a lot of people love this one. I'll absolutely tell you. And... By the way, you know, it's not a good gateway drug into fantasy. But I have some other recommendations for you, too, for fantasy. But Miriam is the daughter and granddaughter of money lenders. And her dad does not like to ask for the money back. He's not very good at that. So they're really poor. And then Miriam, she kind of takes the reins and makes everybody pay up. And she gets really proud of that. And it brings the attention of the king of the steric. They're these fake creatures. They're kind of made of ice and they're very powerful. And they set in a challenge making her create gold. She unwittingly spins a web that draws in two more women, one of whom is fated to be married to the young Tsar. He's not what he appears to be. And the secret he's hiding threatens to consume the worlds of the humans and the steric. Miriam and the other two women embark on a desperate quest that will take them to the limits of sacrifice, power, and love. Like I said, the storytelling in this novel I found to be brilliant. It was just so complex and multi-layered, and she's just woven a web of a tale that quite simply astounded me. Well, the second book that you said is one that I did absolutely love. And that is Kindred by Octavia Butler, which I did not discover until I would say maybe eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago. It read like a new book to me. I had no idea that this was from an earlier book. Like it was an older book. I had no, no idea or knew anything about Octavia Butler when I read it. And I was so glad that I read it because it is so readable that it reads just like it had been written last year. I think so, too. In fact, in my review, I had a blog. I still do, but I just haven't written on it for a few years. Um, that's exactly what I wrote, that I could not believe it was written in 1979. I had thought it was a new book. Yeah, exactly the same for me, too. And I was shocked that it was in the science fiction genre. Mm -hmm. I thought it was historical fiction. Yeah, and the cover updates, too, can be a little deceiving because... The cover had been updated on that one, and that is why I thought that it was a new book when I got it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I really need to read more of her books because I enjoyed this one so much. Well, if you're trying to make someone read Kindred, how would you describe it and why should they read it? I would tell them, oh my gosh, well, there is some time travel, but don't let mm -hmm. that scare you. No, that should, <laughs> like, that should be the selling point. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> See, well, at the time it scared me because that wasn't my thing. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I wasn't into that sort of thing at the time. This was in 2015. I don't remember the protagonist's name, but she goes back in time to the days of the days of slavery. And she's African-American and she's married to a white man. And she's brought back in time and she saves the life of a young boy. And they're kind of connected after that. She goes back and forth in time. And her husband winds up going back and forth too. It was just powerful. I don't know. It showed the contrast between the times. It showed how it would affect a person. Mm-hmm. going back there. She doesn't really explain the details of the mechanics of the time travel. It's just a small detail in the larger story. But she just seems to be approaching the question of how would a modern-day person react if they were thrown back into the darkest days of slavery. It was just a really emotional read for me. Mm-hmm. It was very fast-moving. So I read this one in 2017, so it hasn't really been that long. And what ended up happening was... I think that I had went to a book club that was happening locally. It was a meetup group and it was hosted at someone's house and everyone was supposed to share a book that they had read. And I feel like at that point, I was such a seasoned reader that people were bringing things that I had not heard of before. And I'm embarrassed to say that in 2017, I actually didn't know anything about Octavia Butler at all. And one of the ladies that was sharing about her reading history said, you should read Kindred because she's such a great writer. And she had made it her goal to read all of Octavia Butler's books. So I left that and I was like, I've never heard of this author, but I'm going to pick it up. And I had no idea that she had, you know, passed away. Um, I, I didn't know anything about her. Basically, after that conversation, I was like, I have to get her book. And I read it, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what else she's coming out with this year. So I'm going online and looking her up, and then I realize, oh my goodness, this book is from a long time ago. Like, this isn't a current read, and that is how I got introduced to her work. So for those of you that have not read it, the story is a time travel story, like Sasha said. And Dana is a Black woman who is married to a white man in the late 60s. And after becoming dizzy one day, she finds herself transported to the South in 1815 when a little boy named Rufus is drowning in a river. Dana saves him, and this begins the first of many visits where he risks his life and Dana is pulled back into the 1800s. So every time this incident is happening, these kinds of incidences, that is when Dana is pulled back in time. And her role as a Black woman is not a free one. She is enslaved and has to witness the true brutalities of a very unkind slave owner. Now, Butler does a really good job in this with dimensions by giving Dana a white husband. And when they are transported together, he has to act as her slave owner in order to keep her safe. So you can just imagine how horrific these dynamics are to both play into these roles. I will say that if you are highly sensitive, this book is brutal in the retellings of the treatment, the real treatment of slaves. And it did unsettle me a lot to read these horrific accounts, but I think it's important that we all read them and understand what has happened. So the ending, it's a little strange, but 
reading through a reader guide at the end actually helped me understand better the dimensions that Butler was hoping to achieve through her ending. And I would say anybody who is thinking about checking a box on any kind of reading challenge for time travel or a book from the decades, this is a great one to read and has really encouraged me to explore more of her books. Like I said, I have other other books of hers that I purchased, just have not gotten to yet. I love it. Okay, and your third book is actually Ron Rash, and I have not read Ron Rash, if you can believe it. And I oh, feel like Amy. this is like one of your favorite storytellers because when I asked you to land on a third book, you just said anything by Ron Rash is for sure like a book that you want to read. I will read anything by Ron Rash. He is amazing. I've read all of his work and he hasn't written anything in a while and I don't think he's going to. I'm so sad. Oh, I chose Nothing Gold Can Stay by Ron Rash. It's a okay. collection of short stories. I'll just read you my review. And here's the thing about short stories. I'll say first, as soon as I become invested in one, it ends and it really annoys me. <laughs> so I didn't read them for a long time. It led me to shun short story collections for many years. And I got over it and I hopped back on the wagon and I read Nothing Gold Can Stay. And oh my gosh, his writing is just so amazing. He's got it going on. Um... I've read Serena and the Cove before I read this short story collection, and I was just blown away. Some of the stories that it includes are like a prisoner on a road crew planning his escape. Two friends that are drug dealers, you know, planning to rip off an old man that they knew as young boys. A young girl who falls into a stream and is carried towards a waterfall. And this is that short story is also turned into a book later. Oh, okay. You know, just two fugitive slaves making their way toward freedom. That's just part one of it. It is so amazing. His writing is falls under the category of grit lit, mm. which is that punch to the gut, fast pace, down and dirty, gets you in the heart. I just love it. I just love it. It's just so hard hitting. And his prose is powerful and raw, and it tears at your heart. I couldn't get enough. If he writes more, I'll continue to just devour his novels and stories like a starving animal until I've reached the end of the feast he's given us. I love it. Well, I have had him on my list because you do love him so much. And I know that when it comes to Gritlet, like that makes me think of David Joy, for example, which mm -hmm. is a, a pretty good example of another author that you and I both really enjoyed. Um, I also was looking at some of our past books and Desperation Road was another one that you really loved and that I, I love too, that might fall under that same category. So I'll yeah. have to list a couple in our show notes of books that you and I both have loved under that category. And that's kind of like a great launching pad for what I have planned for you for, for breaking oh. up your, with your reading slump. So oh, it wasn't right. what I was going to lead with, but I'm going to go ahead and do that because that's where we're the vein we're in. Okay. So I did a Nancy Drew investigation in your Goodreads account. <laughs> it was very extensive. I think I have spent probably a good three nights going through all of your reading history. And because we had so much overlap, 
some of them I was I was struggling with because you might have listed it as a to be read and you hadn't read it. And so it's showing it as an overlap and then I'm going in and looking at it. And this book actually was not on your list and it, it required a good deep dive investigation to find out why it wasn't on your list. And the book is The Reckless Oath We Made and it's by Bryn Greenwood. Okay. Yes. I will try to sell you on this book and I'm very surprised that you haven't read it because of the grit lit aspect and how similarly we read. And I want to say before I go into why you should read it, All the Ugly and Wonderful Things is a very popular book that Bryn Greenwood wrote. Some people have called that an unconventional love story. Personally, I just never could get past the idea of an older man with a child. And so for me, that book did not work despite her being a gifted storyteller. And I had some hesitancy about picking up another book from her because that really just, to me, was not a good unconventional love story. And there Mm -hmm. are some things in my reading life that are like a hard pass. And that one particular plot point did not work for me at all. But I wanted to try again, and this is another unconventional love story, but this one actually did work for me. And when I wrote down my notes for why I loved it, I compared it to where all light tends to go type of story, um, which I believe is David Joy's first novel. And I know that that's the kind of book that you look for. So this is a backlist book. It did come out in August of 2019, and it was published by Putnam. I know why people did not carry through with the story. A lot of people started it and then didn't finish it. And there is a reason why, and that is that Gentry, one of the main characters, speaks in Middle English. And as far as that goes, sometimes people are like, nope, I can't do it. But I want to tell you that I think that you should anyways. And they have a really neat, cute story where this blends in really well. So given that Gentry talks like this, when the two main characters meet, this is how she describes it. As I came down the sidewalk, he stepped away from his truck and bowed to me. I will never forget what he said. My lady, thy servant. I stopped because there's nobody else he could be talking to, but I had no idea what he meant. He straightened up but kept his eyes down. Milady, if thou wilt allow me to help thee, he said. When I didn't answer, he got down on one knee like he meant to propose to me. Tis my honor to carry thee whither thou thou desirest. Okay. Is this your truck, I said? Because I didn't speak whither thou desirest. Okay. So in the story, Z is our unlikely heroine. And she thinks of, of herself as the farthest thing from a princess. She's almost six feet tall. She's nursing a shattered hip. She's been plagued by chronic pain. She's riddled with medical bills. And she has a very dysfunctional family life. And although she is no princess, she ends up meeting her knight in shining armor. Gentry loves knights. And this particular plot point kind of is because he's on the spectrum and this is his thing. So Gentry, who's doing his best to really be a real knight, hears the call that he may be Z's champion. And he decides to keep a close eye on her and land in her life at just the right time. The thing about this is that Gentry's viewpoint in the world is written from the knightly viewpoint. 
but he hears three different voices. So he's got three different narrators in his own head, Gawain, Hildegard, and a witch, who are all having very different kinds of conversations and opinions about the person that he thinks is his lady. And he really wants to protect her. And so he's having these kinds of conflicts within his chapters. And at first, it's very confusing and kind of hard to read. But once you get in the rhythm with Gentry, he just becomes this really beloved, beautifully, fully fleshed character. And what really adds to this story is it adds a crime fiction kind of aspect because an abduction happens in Z's family and Gentry has to come to her aid. So these shifting viewpoints and unique narration tools, which it has many, you would think that it wouldn't work or it would be too confusing, but that is not the case. And Greenwood really pulls all of these stories together seamlessly. And I think that the abduction aspect really adds a lot of excitement and, you know, you kind of want to see how it's all going to play out as the two are trying to, you know, figure out what is going on as far as that goes. I really, really think that you will have a hard time putting this one down if you can get past the use of language and the way that she's narrating that. It's one that really delivers on the types of stories that you like. I like the gorgeously flawed characters. I know you and I appreciate quirky characters and it has a love story that you could actually root for. So even though it was unlikely love story, the way that these two evolve really builds into some beautiful places. Okay, you won me over. Yay! I have already added it to my TBR and I will check it out from the library. Fabulous. Well, the then I wanted to give you some, you know, suggestions for maybe some lighter fiction as you're easing your way out of a reading slump. I know that you and I both recently read Book Lovers, which would have been one of my suggestions for you, but I saw that you have already read it. Did it help with breaking up with your slump too? It was a slump buster for me. I was able to read it. Rom-coms are usually my go-to for slump busters. It was so good. It was full of bookishness and love and meat cutes and just, it was wonderful. Emily Henry has never let me down. Mm-hmm. She has yet to let me down. Yeah, I completely agree. And Beach Read was my favorite of hers until I read this one. And my friend, Dinan Dish on Instagram, was the one that sent me a message and was like, you really need to check this one out. I think you would really love it. And I'm really glad she had me move it up on the stack because it ended up making our summer beach read list. And that was going to originally be my suggestion. So I'm happy that you've already read it. So I'm going to branch out beyond that book, which would have been my first choice for you. And this next one is actually one that I have not heard anybody talking about. And the reason why I picked it for you is because you love Jocelyn Jackson as a kind of like romantic storyteller and this book reminded me a lot of Jocelyn Jackson and it is deconstructed. It's written by an author named Liz Talley and she's new to me, but a lot of people may know about her that typically read, you know, the lighter fiction and women's fiction romance. So I picked this one for you because it fits that kind of lightness, but it has 
some characters that have a lot of spark to them that I found this unlikely duo to also be a really satisfying book. It was a Amazon first reads. So a lot of people that follow my deals page know that every month Amazon releases a new release that's kind of like if you were going to get those advanced reader copies. This is for anyone who has Prime. Every single month you get a free book, sometimes two, and this was a selection that anybody with Prime could access early. And typically, I will be honest, most of the free books are not great. And there's a reason that they're free. So I'm not very often motivated to read them. And this one I grabbed just because the cover is really cute. It's got like paper dresses on the front. And I ended up hitting my own reading slump a couple of months ago. I could not seem to break up with it and went online. And this book, I looked it up because I'm like, well, it's free and I have it and I just got it. And it's kind of a, a new release. It might be interesting. And this one had over four stars on Goodreads, which is pretty rare, especially for the free books. So that's why I ended up picking it up. This book was published in February of 2022. This is so good. This is about an antique store owner. Her name is Cricket Crosby. Her life is turned upside down when she discovers that the rumors of her husband's affair aren't just Southern gossip. Her plan is she's going to hire an investigator, find an attorney, enlist the help of her new assistant, Ruby, and make her husband pay. So Ruby is this character that is such a Sasha character that I think you're going to absolutely love. She's an assistant that is really tough and kind of rough around the edges and kind of quirky. She's got a great backstory and she's also really into sewing, which is kind of an unusual skill for, you know, the type of character that they're building out. And basically Cricket gets a lot of dresses when she's antiquing, they might come in a big box and some of them are really damaged and she would normally throw them away. And Ruby, her assistant, asks if she can salvage them. And she starts making basically couture out of all of these dresses. And they're runway worthy. Like people in town really want to wear them. And she's really into it. But she also is a really well-conducted person because her whole family has kind of got things going on, you know, on the side in the town. And so when Cricket needs to investigate her husband, it turns out Ruby knows a lot of people. And so she is the one that helps Cricket and is like, I know someone who can tow our car. I know someone who can investigate this case. And so she connects Cricket in all these different aspects of things that she's trying to investigate. There are a lot of people that are Finley Donovan fans, and I love Finley Donovan too. So this is very similarly with a duo where there's a lot of heart and humor and they kind of go on an adventure trying to crack this case. And what I really loved about this, I think, is that Cricket's husband, obviously, he's been unfaithful and it could have went into a place where, you know, she's got some opportunities where she could maybe explore having an affair. And Tally doesn't write that kind of story. She's like, she's going to stay true to her marriage, just like she always has. And even if there may be attractions with side characters, that's not going to happen because like she's going to, you know, get this divorce cranked out. It's really, really laugh out funny. It's got a lot of sass 
and it's got some Southern humor in it. I really felt transported and it got me out of my reading slump. So this is the one that I'm recommending for you next. It definitely sounds like my kind of book. Good. Definitely. Yep. That's on my TBR too. Perfect. And I know why I missed it on first reads because that was in February, the month of my surgery. Oh, okay. I wish that I could share it. If there's a way that I can share it with you, I will. But I do know that it's very budget friendly because it is one oh. of those Amazon first reads too. Yeah. So if you can't get it at your library, I'm I'm thinking you can probably get it the next time. Yeah, I'm not worried. That looks really good. I can't wait to hear what's next. Okay, this next one that I have is an author that I think that you will love. And I noticed that you haven't read her yet. If you are looking for a thriller or you're looking for a romance, I think Ashley Winstead is the writer for you. She just came out with her debut romance novel. This came out in April. The book that she wrote previously is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. And it ended up being my favorite mystery thriller book from last year. And so for me, I was kind of like, why is she writing a romance now? Because I thought she did the thriller genre so well. It's a great, great mystery, just solid all the way through. It's got great storytelling. And I thought for sure that her next book would likely be pretty similar, like in the thriller genre. It was a complete shock to see that she was coming out with a rom-com. She's a really smart writer. Like you can just tell that she's got good chops behind everything that she's writing. And this book is a second chance romance with lots and lots of laughs. And it doesn't have a typical female lead. Just to give you a hint, her nickname is Stoner. And she embraces habits like drinking and one night stands that would rival a lot of our male character leads. And I picked this for you because I would say that I'm more of a reluctant romance reader, and for me, this one ticked all the boxes. So in this story, our main character, Stoner, or Lee, is working as a communication director at a women-run electric company. She strikes us as being really carefree and embracing the work-hard, play-hard attitude. What we uncover as readers, though, is that this is deeply rooted in some pivotal relationships, like her father leaving her mother, being cheated on in past relationships, and this mistrust of others leads her to believe that an important relationship in her life is going down the same path. She jumps to conclusions and basically tries to beat him to the punch, so to speak. Now, five years have passed since the mistake, and she's forced to reunite with her old flame on a project while working on a clean energy bill. I know a lot of us, including myself, are turned off by politics right now. And what I loved is that it has a political backdrop that doesn't lean into negativity, but lots of chemistry. And this does bring steam. And I know we did talk about that we don't like just gratuitous steam. Like we like steam that goes places with plots. And I thought this one had just the right amount of steam. It's a slow burn romance too. So it's more building of this backstory between these characters and building the chemistry between them as they have these new roles. And overall, this is just a really excellent five-star rom-com read. The opening scene in itself like deserves an award because they basically wake up in the Magic Kingdom kind of hungover and a mess after a wedding. 
and they have an encounter that is so laugh out loud funny as like Disney princesses. I think one of them's a teapot. It's so funny. And she turns around and looks at her and her, her eyelashes are falling off. Like her fake eyelashes are like hanging on her and, and the kid's like, mommy, who is this? You know, like this is the opener for the book. It's got so much hilarity to it. And the banter between the two of them is so, so good. I think you're going to love this one, and I think that if you decide to jump into possibly a thriller or a mystery, I think you would love her first novel as well. I will add both to my list. Good. And I can I can hear in your voice how much you loved Fool Me Once. It was really good, and I have been in communication with Ashley to see if she'll come on because we're going to be doing like a summer reading series with some of the authors that were my favorite from the summer because mm-hmm. I'm really curious about her jump into romance waters because she is going back into thriller waters with her next novel and really? so I would love to hear what that process looked like for her as a writer and why she made that switch or if she had this book in the pocket for a while and it just came out after the good success from her first one so I'm curious about her writing history and like why she chose to you know jump genres but I'm I really will say that I was hesitant to read it and then absolutely fell in love with it and I think you'll like it too oh thank you I'm really excited well I want to end with a book that I actually just finished and it is if you ever do decide to do an audiobook and think that you want to do something that I think would keep your interest a lot. It's Mean Baby. It's written by Selma Blair. She is a 90s actress um, that a lot of us are Mm -hmm. familiar with from our 90s film days. And she has MS. So she is writing about her journey a little bit with diagnosis, but this is more about her childhood and growing up. And she narrates it. So it's it's beautifully, beautifully narrated. And I do think that if you do memoirs, particularly celebrity memoirs, they're really fun to listen to someone actually tell their own story. And there's a certain aspect of keeping your engagement when you're hearing someone else tell their story versus someone else narrating it. And because you said that short stories are a great slump buster for you or you like to keep engaged in those kinds of ways when you're trying to come back into a book. Her childhood is kind of broken into almost short story format. And the reason why this one too has stuck out in my mind for you is because you and I both really liked A Star is Bored. And that is a really hilarious book. If you have not read it, it is so, so good. And it is written by an author who was the former personal assistant to Carrie Fisher. And it is very much in that vein, a character, a fictional character, but pretty much Carrie Fisher, um, <laughs> that is all about taking care of a celebrity like that. And in Selma Blair's memoir, she has moments with Carrie Fisher that are just like A Star is Bored. And I was completely sucked in. And that is just one section. I will say that she endures a lot of sexual trauma and she struggles with depression and it does follow some of that. So it can't be a book that you're in a blue mood that you want to listen to something like that. It can be hard at times to listen to, especially because 
she is telling her own story of what has happened to her. But I cannot tell you how magical the scenes with Carrie Fisher are. In fact, I did not know that she hosted Selma Blair's wedding. And there are some some overlaps as far as that story goes. And sometimes it's nice to know when like things are interlinking with our past reading experiences. And so I I completely devoured it. It's not very long. I think it's maybe 10 hours, eight to 10 hours. So it's not a very, very long book. And the last 26 minutes are kind of an acknowledgement and thank you. So you don't even have to necessarily listen to that unless you're curious about who she wants to acknowledge at the end. But it is a beautifully written book and it does capture that short story aspect. And also because of the overlap with the stars board, I just have to mention it. I will definitely have to read that just because of the overlap. Maybe you can try my solitaire habit. <laughs> I will. I will try the solitaire habit. That will be the perfect book to try it with. Well, Sasha, I'm so happy that you joined me today. I know this is a very big and brave thing to like put yourself out there when this is not your you know, domain. It's it's really scary just in general to do a podcast. Um, I had a lot of a hard time myself, like jumping into this water and, and putting things out there. So I'm always even more impressed by the bravery of other people when they step into this arena and it's really not something that they've done before. This is so awesome. And I know that your reading slump is actually going to help a lot of other people. And I would be curious if you'd like to come back and talk about your feelings about our recommendations that we made for you today. I would be thrilled to do that. Oh, I can't wait. And there's no pressure on this timeline. So whenever you get to them, you can come back at any time and tell us what you thought, because I would love to hear if my prescription works for your reading life. That sounds great. If people want to connect with you more, Sasha, how can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at pathologically.literate. Perfect. And I do have a blog. Perfect. But it hasn't been written for for a long time at pathologicallyliterate.com. Now, did you want to join me for the bookworm challenge after the show? Definitely. Perfect. Well, Patreon pals, you are in luck. Sasha is going to be sticking around for our little game show type experience for the bookworm challenge. If you're interested and would like to support my work, you can go to patreon.com backslash mom advice. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash mom advice. And if you want to also support the show, liking and reviewing is such a big help. And I'm so, so thankful for you.